0: Hey, everyone, Sarah Peck here, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. Today, we get to talk to somebody who has been an entrepreneur for a long time. She has always wanted to be an independent entrepreneur and work for herself, in part because of the freedom and flexibility of creating the type of work and the type of lifestyle that appeals to her. Today, we talk to Laura Roeder. She is the founder and the CEO of Meet Edgar, which is a social media automation tool. And right now, she's starting a new company, Ropig, and she's been an independent entrepreneur running different companies since she was 22. In 2009, she founded LKR Social Media, and she ran a social media training company that taught business owners about the power of social media marketing. From that, she was named one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under the age of 30, not just in 2011, but again in 2013 and 2014, and then was invited to talk about the power of entrepreneurship at the White House. She's also the mom to a young kiddo, and she's very soon welcoming her next kid into her life. Meet Edgar today is a $4 million company and they have 30 or so employees. And one of the things we talk about today is how she built this company on the heels of her previous company and self funded it. So, in today's episode, I get to talk to her about bootstrapping, self funding, and fundraising differences like what each means and what it looks like, how to manage your time as an entrepreneur and why she specifically did not create a business that requires late-night work hours, not just for her, but for her entire team, including the engineers. She started her technology company while pregnant, which we talk about, and she planned ahead for maternity leave. So I ask her, what kind of leave did she take, and how did she set it up? And what does it mean to be pregnant while starting a company? What are the differences and expectations she has there? She also makes a really awesome point about not waiting to put your maternity leave policy in place until you have your first pregnant person, but actually getting it in place long before and why it's so important. And lastly, as somebody who loves her work, she talks about how she puts boundaries up so she can find her own rhythm so she doesn't go always into the deep work area. And I totally identified with this at times. So, For those of you that want to listen into this episode, it was a great one. I can't wait to bring it to you. Now, one quick heads up. There were a few internet glitches in the beginning. We actually tried to do this interview like three or four different times. So there's a couple of places where there's gaps in the recording. But bear with us. It's a little bit bumpy at times. We've smoothed as much of it out as we can. And the conversation is so good that I couldn't not bring this to you. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Acuity Scheduling. If you haven't switched to a scheduler yet to help you with all the back and forth of figuring out appointments, I highly recommend trying it. Switching to a calendar scheduler changed my life and saved me so much time. So Typically, Acuity offers a free two-week trial if you want to give it a whirl, but for Startup Pregnant listeners, they have a 45-day trial for us. Go to acuityscheduling.com slash Startup Pregnant, and you'll get a 45-day trial. All right, everyone, we have Laura Roeder on the show, and I'm so excited to welcome her. Hi, Laura. Hi, Sarah. You know, actually, I have a question that I want to start with, but I think this would be useful for people to listen to. Do you remember the story of how we first met? I remember there was grilled cheese involved. (laughs) (laughs) And like macaroni at the top of some (laughs) like hotel, bar, fourth floor thing. Is that correct?
1: There was definitely just like intense food bonding happening.
0: (laughs) So this story comes to mind because it's really special to me because I remember I knew nobody at this conference that I showed up at, and I met a whole bunch of people, and you were one of the people I met, and you asked me, you're like, do you want to go get food? And I was like, sure, and we went, we got food, and I got to get to know you, and it was one of the things that really propelled my own entrepreneurial path, Mm -hmm. and so first of all, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) And second, for people listening, you know, when you're starting out and you're getting out there and meeting people, there's that awkward moment, and then there's that amazing moment where you get to have macaroni with a friend, so. Laura, go ahead.
1: I remember that we were at, you know, it was a business conference and you were wearing yoga pants. So I was like, you rock the yoga pants all the time, huh? You're like, these these are my pants. These are the only pants I have. I might be at yoga. I might be at a conference. These are the pants that I wear. I'm like, you know what? I like this lady.
0: Yeah. I was like, why? Jeans are too complicated. (laughs) No, it was definitely yoga pants at a conference. Yep. Correct. Okay. So, Laura, (laughs) for people who don't know you, can you go back in time and tell us a little bit about your work history and your entrepreneurship journey? Yeah. So,
1: I started working for myself pretty young. I started working for myself full time when I was 22. I'm 33 now. So, I had one job out of college as a junior graphic designer for about a year and then. That was the, you know, highest job title I've achieved to date junior graphic designer. So yeah, I quit that job to freelance design and create websites, and that evolved into social media marketing, consulting and training. And then that evolved into a social media software business, which is what I do now. I run Meet Edgar, which is a SaaS business.
0: That was fast. You just (laughs) covered that 11 years in like a snap. Um, (laughs) You lived in London for a little bit, and you had Mm -hmm. built this whole agency around LKR social media, right? Yeah, that was the social media training. Social media training. Which one was your first, I was going to say, first venture into entrepreneurship? Did you start with a consulting path and then build out a company from there? What was that like? So I started
1: design freelancing is the first, you know, way that I supported myself with my own work full time. And I think freelancing is such a great place to start, you know, freelancing, consulting, any kind of service business, because you get paid right away, right? You don't have to like raise money to build a product. You give someone an hour of your time and they pay you for that hour. So it's a way to build a business. You know, it's something easy to do on the side, a way to iterate really quickly. So yeah, that's how I started training. So it was creating online courses, you know, one-to-many model as opposed to doing one-on-one training. So that's kind of where I learned to build a larger business beyond just my time. But Meet Edgar is the first business where I've had a larger team. So right now, we're at about 30 people. We've been running for about three and a half years. This is my first business where I'm like, I have a leadership team. I have a larger team. Like, That type of business is definitely something that I'm still learning a lot about before. It was just me or like just me and one other person or a few other part-time freelancers, that type of thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And LKR was based on your own name and you were training people and things that you knew how to do. And then you worked with a lot of contractors. Did you have full-time employees while you were building that company? I did. I had like one or two. Mm -hmm. Did you establish it as an LLC? S-Corp. S-Corp. Okay. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about how did the idea for Meet Edgar come about? When did you stop LKR social media to then build Meet Edgar?
1: Yeah, so the software evolved very organically out of the training. So in the training, I was teaching people to do manually the things that Edgar does for you. So with Edgar, all of your social updates are sorted into categories. They get shared and reshared over and over again. I was teaching people to do that manually with a spreadsheet and with copy and paste. Edgar is software that does that for you. So you don't have to store it in a spreadsheet and copy and paste yourself. And I ran the two businesses simultaneously for a while. So when I launched Edgar, I thought, okay, this will be a great compliment because, you know, once they take the training, they'll want the software. If they don't want the software, they can just have the training instead. That's what I thought I was going to do. And then after Edgar launched, it just took off so quickly. You know, we hit a million dollars in revenue. 11 months after launch and we we're a bootstrapped company. So it had done so well that I decided I love this business model because my training company, like you said, it was my face. I was the teacher. It very much revolved around me, the software business. I'm not a developer. <laughs> so like if everything falls apart, I can't fix it. You know, It's a business that like, by definition cannot just involve my time I am somewhat useless in a lot of ways in this business so I found for me software was just a much better model that let me have you know related to the mom stuff a lot more freedom a lot more flexibility so I decided to shut down the training business and I mean that was a seven figure business when I shut it down but I wanted to go all in on on edgar Hmm.
0: There are so many pieces of this puzzle, and I'm going to pause for a second and back up and explain a little bit of what Meet Edgar does for people who have never heard of it. The way I think about it, and I use it as a tool, and they're a sponsor of some of our episodes, but the way that I think about it is like I could go in and manually schedule all of my different tweets and posts and all the updates Mm -hmm. that I put on social media, and they built software Similar to Hootsuite and other things, but Mm. it gets to repeat the content. So if you create evergreen stuff, stuff that lasts for a long time, they'll share it time and time again. So we use it for this podcast when I share episode one over and over again, like once a week, because there's plenty of new people coming to find out about the podcast all the time, just to give some context. You have this big old spreadsheet and you are doing all this stuff manually, and you're training people on how to do it and how to better use social media. And the idea for the software comes from a problem you have. You wrote something about how you bootstrapped this company and you funded it Mm -hmm. yourself. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us that story?
1: Yeah. So, to be super accurate, the company is self funded. So, we had Mm -hmm. some money, some profits from my previous business. And I want to bring that up because I think sometimes. You know, bootstrapped can also mean you literally make a dollar, you spend a dollar, you make a dollar, you spend a dollar. Right, right. That's, that's not the situation we were in. I just don't want anyone comparing themselves being like, how did they like build this whole software company with zero dollars? We didn't have zero dollars. We invested like around 100 to 200,000 of profits like in getting Edgar going. But that was all my own money earned from previous businesses. So I didn't fundraise. And that was a really deliberate decision because I was connected to that world. I was doing a SaaS, right? It's the type of business that you can raise money for. I have always been really big on the freedom angle of working for myself. I've always... Been very set with my work hours. Like I've never worked evenings, weekends. I like to travel a lot. This is a big reason why I work for myself is to have that freedom and flexibility. And when I looked at raising money. I mean, maybe it's possible to find investors that are like, yeah, go traveling for a few months. Maybe the business will slow down a bit, but you know, like it's okay. It'll work out in the end. Like that's not really how investors are like viewing their investment. You know, fair enough, right? And the way the model works also is that they need to get enormous returns. You know, if you sell your company for $50 million, that's usually not a win, for an investor, like maybe they just get their money back in that case, like it often needs to be like more of like $100 million, like going public, like these types of scenarios is kind of the game that you're choosing to play if you take money. And the idea of building like a $100 million business with like 500 employees plus is not exciting to me at all.
0: Hmm. I think that's so interesting. And you said something that the tech people listening to our podcast will understand, but I want to pause and make sure we explain what does SaaS mean?
1: Yeah, SaaS is software as a service. So basically, it
0: just means subscription software that you pay for every month. So, any subscription you sign up for that does something for you, a tool that you mm-hmm. use, that's a SaaS business. And what right. does that mean for you as a business owner? Why is that such a cool thing?
1: Yeah, so it's a super amazing business model because your cash flow is really predictable and your cash flow is really even. So, because people sign up, I mean, now we're at the size where we literally have at least one customer every day. And then those customers have monthly subscriptions. You know, they stay various amounts of time. They don't stay forever. Although I guess some of them do, you know, we'll see. We've been around three and a half years. We'll see how long they stick around. You're getting paid every month, right? So we literally are receiving money every day of the week. You make that sale at one point and then they keep paying you monthly. So from a business model perspective, it's a really amazing and can be a really lucrative business
0: model. Mm, That's so interesting. I love that you pointed out that you invested several couple hundred thousand dollars Mm -hmm. of your own money into this business to build it. And that was self-funded through Mm -hmm. your previous business. So now you're at Meet Edgar and it took off right away. It took off faster Mm -hmm. than you expected. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about how did you build that initial team? You didn't build the technology yourself. How did you hire somebody? What did that look like?
1: Right. So my technical co-founder is my husband. So that's my hot tip. Mary, (laughs) Mary, 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 I mean, they're just great people all around. But yeah, so he built the initial version of the software. And then he hired out the initial technical team. We kind of joke that he's uncredited co-founder. We like we don't call him co-founder because we were clear that we weren't going to be like running the business together, side by side. I was going to run the business. He's product side. He's building side. He didn't want to do all the business running. That part is fun for me, not fun for him. So he is my co-founder in the sense that you know he built it and he still helps to advise and oversee all the technical stuff. You know, it'd be very challenging for me to hire a developer. Now we have a team of people that can do that, but he set that whole thing in motion. And of course, now we have a leadership team for the rest of the business as well. And a lot of those people were with us right from the beginning, like our head of operations, Sarah, our head of customer service, Christine. And now she's our, our head of customer service. Sarah was doing like project management. Now she's head of operations.
0: Can you tell us about your pregnancy and your parenting journey? Because along the way, you know, you've been working as an entrepreneur, building your own consultancy, then starting this big company. How did you think about parenting amidst all of this and starting a family? Have you always known that you wanted to start a family?
1: I have always known that I did want to have kids at some point and running my own business. This was a very clear goal in my mind for the past 10 years of running businesses is I want to have a business that also allows me to have time to be a mom that allows me to take a lot of time off if I so choose. So over the years, I was moving more and more towards that point of, okay, I want a business that I can take off three months, six months if I want to, and the business can continue without me. And it was a problem that I really recognized in my training business because that business, it could go on maintenance mode for a few months without me, but the business wouldn't grow. It would be stagnant. So it was something that I was like, okay, this isn't quite the perfect thing for me. How can I keep improving to move towards this goal? So the software business is something that ticks those boxes. And for me, these pregnancy journey and startup journey are very closely intertwined because I was pregnant when Edgar launched. And so I knew that I was going to be on maternity leave within the first year of my startup, right? Which a lot of people will tell you, oh, that first year, you're going to be working 80-hour weeks. And you know, that first year, like, don't see your friends and family. So I would just like to publicly state on this podcast, that is not the only way (laughs) to do things. I took three months off, you know, when my startup was less than a year old, that's actually when we crossed that first million dollars in revenue, I was on real maternity leave, really not at work. And then I worked part time for the first year of my son's life. So the next nine months after that, I was working part time.
0: Wow, that's so incredible. And I love that you pointed that out. There's this script in people's heads that, oh, if you're pregnant, you can't do this. Or Mm -hmm. if you're running a company, it has to look this way. Or you Mm -hmm. have to get fundraising to do this. It's a theme that I'm hearing throughout all of this. You just said that you were pregnant when you launched. And Mm -hmm. then you took maternity leave and you worked part time. How did that Mm -hmm. work? How did you do that? So. I did it because I had other people that were doing stuff.
1: And this is the thing, like when people are like, oh, you know, when you're starting out, you're going to have to work 80 hours a week. Well, however many hours need to be done, you can slice that up lots of different ways. So if there's 80 hours of work to be done, you can do it in one week. Or you can do it in two weeks and then it can take 40 hours a week. You can do it all yourself or two people can do it or three people can do it. Right. Mm -hmm, And it will mm -hmm. take less of each person's time. So to me, it's just ridiculous. This idea that like you have to put in this much time, it's always a choice, right? You can have five clients or you can have one client. Everything in your business is your choice. So the way that I was able to do it was to not do everything myself. And in retrospect, being pregnant at launch was this incredible blessing because it forced me to really level up how I was running the business. Cause I'm like, I don't want to launch something that just like stalls out six months after we launch it. Like, you know, that sucks. That doesn't sound fun. So it's like, okay, how can I make sure that this is going to keep going and keep growing While I'm gone. So, I gave the other people on my team full decision making power, right? So, if you're in charge of customer service, you're not asking me about policies, you're not asking me who can have a refund, you're deciding that. You don't need to ask me that. Even things that I was more involved in in the beginning, like marketing, it's just like, here's the plan. And then we have people to execute the plan, improve it, iterate on it. You know, as long as you allow other people to execute and make decisions and improve things yes, work has to get done. But there's no reason that you as the founder have to be the one doing that work.
0: Hmm. Was that a mindset that you were able to adopt really easily? Or is that something you've had to learn over time?
1: That is thing I very actively worked towards over the years. Like, I had been running businesses for a long time, I've been getting better and better at not doing everything myself. So I think with Edgar, it was just kind of this Experiment where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do everything myself. I'm going to try this out and see how it goes. And it's still a journey. I mean, especially the marketing for me, that's my background. So that's been the hardest part to totally let go of or to find the right leadership for. Right now, I'm running the marketing department myself, in addition to being the CEO of the company. And we've had that look, you know, a few different ways over the years. So it's a continuous journey, but. I just knew that I didn't want to have to be responsible for everything and, and do everything myself. And I wanted to be able to say, hey, I'm going to work part time for a while and, and still have this company that's thriving.
0: Mm. And so how long was your maternity leave? How much time did you take off completely? And then what did it look like when you came back?
1: So I talked to a lot of mom entrepreneur friends. If you know this podcast had been around, I would have listened to every episode <laughs> of this podcast. And I just asked them all for advice what they universally told me was tell your team that you're going to take more time because you can always come back early. You know, I think it's really hard to predict what you're going to feel like after you have a baby. I was going to say your first baby, but honestly, like, you know, from what I've heard, they're all different. Who knows? And also maybe you'll have health problems. Maybe your baby will, like, you just have no idea what's going to happen. They're like, take three months. If you want to come back at two weeks, sweet. But if you tell your team, you're going to be two weeks and then you want three months, like, and you haven't planned for it, that's gonna cause problems. So, as an American, three months was kind of all I could wrap my head around. You know, my husband's British, so I'm sure he thought that was <laughs> a really short amount of time. But I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do three months fully off. And I did. So, I had three months where I was not working at all. And for me, I found that like during that newborn time, it wasn't like I was dying to go back to work, it also wasn't like I was loving not working for me, the experience was like, I just felt so brain dead. (laughs) Hmm. I was like, I just can't even like consider this one way. Like, I don't know what I want. I don't know what's going on. I can't think about anything. I was just like, very drained and exhausted. So I was definitely glad I had given myself that time. It would have been very challenging for me to try to do any kind of like serious work sooner
0: than that. And for people who have never been pregnant before or been a parent, why is that? Because it's like you're doing manual labor (laughs) 24 hours a day.
1: And me and my husband did pretty 50 50, by the way, like, a lot of people have it a lot harder than I do. But you know, if you're breastfeeding any amount of time, there's just like a lot of time where the baby has to be with you and they eat. A lot during. A lot.
0: <laughs> oh, Laura, this won't surprise you at all, but my mother told me, and I didn't get it until after I had Leo. She was like, "You know how babies eat every three hours?" I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "You ate every hour and a half on the dot," and I was like, "Oh, mom, I'm so sorry."
1: <laughs> well, I remember hearing that three-hour thing when I was pregnant, and kind of like, even though I read it everywhere, I was kind of like, "That that can't be right." <laughs> I was like, I couldn't imagine it because they were like every three hours, you know, not just during the day, but for a while it's every three hours, 24 hours. I just couldn't fathom it. I had just never done anything that required me to do a physical task every three hours for months around the clock. Like it just sounded insane. You know, it's one of those things that's hard to wrap your head around until you go through it.
0: A thousand percent. So I love that kind of like retrospective advice to other people as well you got this advice from other women which is just plan for more time and then if you take less Mm -hmm. great because you know as a systems thinker it's like oh which one gives you the better the outcome oh the one where there's more and then you cut it short is much easier to deal with because then you've also created a plan and you've assigned people tasks and you have a better process in place so you took three months off then what did it look like coming back to work so
1: coming back to work, like I mentioned, I was part time. So in our case, I'm trying to remember how the logistics worked out. I think we had like a nanny, like half days at our house. And then my husband and I would kind of trade off the rest of the time. So I was working from home. So I know a lot of moms that are just like strap the baby on, like get to work, no problem. Sometimes even like a week after they just can do it. For me, I found that I had to have a really clear separation between mom time and work time. I found it super stressful to try to like work during nap and then, you know, the baby wakes up early and you're halfway through your stuff. I found it really stressful to try to work while baby was, you know, laying on the floor staring at something or whatever they do when they're six months old. That did not work for me at all. So I found what I needed was like knowing that my husband was on call or nanny was on call so I could just be totally devoted to work for that four hour
0: period. Now you run a company that's got how many people did you say up to 20 30 30 30 people so you now need to have a maternity leave policy of your own Mm -hmm. how does that work you Mm -hmm. know and when did you implement that at your company and what does it look like so I think from launch we
1: had I don't remember if we had like just one month paid for mothers or if we had one month paid for both at launch we had a little something at launch which by the way I've I've read articles that are like, oh, once we had our first pregnant employee, we started maternity leave. And I just got to say like, that's way too late because when women are evaluating your company, you don't have a maternity leave and you don't know what candidates you're missing out on Mm -hmm. them being like, or men too, right? For paternity leave. So yeah, don't wait until someone's pregnant and then be like, oh, pregnant lady. Like, what do we do? What do we do? Like, don't make her figure it out. Make her supposed to figure that out, figure it out. So what we have now is we have two months paid leave for what we call primary caregiver. And then we have one month paid for secondary caregiver. You know, that's really, really challenging as a small business. So right now, we do have someone who's off on maternity leave. You know, with our team size, there's no one else to like replace her, right? Because everyone's basically... For most roles, they're the only person doing their job. It's not like, oh, we have the senior and then the mid-level and then like the junior and then the intern for every role. Mm -hmm. Like most people, it's just them. So I know why it's so challenging for small businesses to get maternity leave policies in place because to be totally honest, you are like just sort of floundering a bit (laughs) while they're gone. Like for her, a lot of her stuff isn't totally getting done. Like other people are just sort of pitching in to cover. But you know what, like we're surviving and everything hasn't fallen apart. And it's not the end of the world. And the value that she brings to the company long term is so worth the struggle that we're experiencing for these two months.
0: A thousand percent. And I think it's such a a hard challenge because there's yes, we should all have maternity leave policy. But then the burden is also on small businesses to try to figure it Mm -hmm. out when they're a team of four to six people. And it's one of the reasons why most societies in the world have figured this out, not the States, (laughs) for how to create paid leave for not just one parent, but two parents, right? You you said earlier, you know, your husband is British and three months, he was like, what? Like three months (laughs) is the two weeks in most other countries. Like They're just like, why would you only take three months? It's like your baby can't even like move yet. It's very, Really like right. bubbling and gurgling <laughs> like it might have smiled at you once but that might have been gas <laughs> like, right what was your experience of becoming a parent what
1: was that like for you i always say it's so much harder than running a startup and people are like, like haha but i'm like it's not a joke and i know i know a lot of women listening will, will be able to identify with that sentiment like i've been running companies a while it's something i really enjoy it's a skill that comes really naturally to me parenting has not come (laughs) as naturally to me. And it's also something that's just new, right? Like I'm doing it for the first time. I'm learning it all for the first time. You know, people will be like, oh, being a mom is the hardest job in the world. And it's become this sort of platitude, right? Or it's like, I think it's a little bit dismissive when people say that, like it's the hardest job in the world. But I'm like, no, it's so hard. Especially if you're a full-time stay-at-home mom, like there's so many partners out there that that's what their, you know, usually wife does. They've never done it. They just deeply do not get like that you don't get a break. That it is like literally a 24-hour job with no break and how cushy it is to be able to go to an office, chat with other adults, get some coffee, (laughs) stroll down the hallway with no one like grabbing you. To me, like work is such a luxury compared to like parenting a small child every day is obviously has its beautiful moments, but it's just like very taxing.
0: Yeah, that no breaks thing is real. I remember when my kid turned one and I was like, well, 365 days waking up at 530. Right. He doesn't know what Christmas is. Like, like, he has no clue. There's no weekend. Like He's like, oh, it's another day. Good morning. And you're like, oh, (laughs) that's hard. It is really hard. You're right about the platitude. It's not helpful. What has made your parenting journey easier or more sane? Like what tools have you brought in to support yourself as a parent?
1: Well, I mean, you know, a famous thing in Sheryl Sandberg's book is the importance of your partner. And then of course, she experienced, you know, the loss of her partner and got to see firsthand how hard that is. If you're in a situation where you have an amazing partner, I mean, that's, the number one thing you can do to ease the burden if you're not in that situation, like surround yourself with nannies and grannies and friends and whatever. I mean, we all need to do this, right? Even if we have a great partner. The idea that you can't do it alone. and I know I'm not the first one to talk about when you have a kid, you really realize what a weird society we've built for ourselves and how strange it is to be like a single woman staring at a single baby laying mm-hmm, on the floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you have a friend over, it's way more fun. Or if there are two babies laying on the floor, it's way more fun. <laughs> it's definitely not meant to be done in isolation, but that's the lives that many of us have set up for ourselves, including myself, right? Like Now I live in the same city as my parents, but I don't live in the same house as them, You know the way it's still done in, in most places in the world where you have a larger extended family. So I think you really realize when you have kids what an isolated life that you live and you kind of try to do your best to make it less that way.
0: Mm, I think that's so well put. Actually, motherhood almost like brings to life. It brings to awareness the fact that our society is really weird. Like what we've Mm -hmm. built is really weird. Mm -hmm. There's so much about it that's strange. And I live in a city and I look around or I imagine like through the walls because there's a neighbor living probably like five feet over there, right? Right. Because I live in a teeny apartment in New York City. There are probably hundreds of women inside of individual apartments with single babies and the networks, the infrastructure to connect them just seem like they're not really there. It's so weird. And right. I always dream of, and part of this is like the communist hippie in me, I think, but I always dream of like, what if we had a network of parents and people that like we all rotated and took the babies for a day? Mm -hmm. You're like, there's just so much. I think as an entrepreneur, you probably also think about these things. There's so much ripe for disruption. Pardon the phrase. There's so much potential for change. Do you think that you adopt any strategies or systems or tools that are different than the average bear? Like, what do you do that people tell you, like, wow, I didn't know things could be done that way? I mean, one thing I do is to, this is
1: sort of a weird way to put it, but like, deprioritize work to like a maybe somewhat shocking degree. And for me, that's because of how much I love to work. I really enjoy working. I would do it all the time. (laughs) It's my favorite thing to do. So because that's my nature, I find that I need to have limits for myself, like not just for the workday, which I do. Like right now I work from about like 9.30 to about 4.30, often see my family at lunchtime too. I have this idea, like if I get an offer to do something else, I will take it. So like if a friend invites me to a movie, During the day, because like they're also a freelancer. Like, I will take it. If my husband's like, we're doing something fun at home, he watches our son in the afternoon right now. Like, we're doing something fun. Like, you should come home. I like have to say yes. And I find that the world keeps going, (laughs) you know? Like, you can take that hour away. Your business keeps going. The world keeps turning. We also travel a lot. So, we took a month long family vacation to Japan earlier this year, which is like, Well, I guess unusual for anyone with a two year old and even more unusual if you're like running a startup and have a two year old, but we're like, we want to go to Japan. We also run a startup and have a two year old, but we want to go so we're going to do it. And I think just putting those things in the calendar, making it happen, you find ways for your business to fit in around it.
0: Hmm, I love that. I identify with that in as much as like work can expand to fill the time that you have. And I love Mm -hmm. the work that I do so much. And then I'm constantly like, but I need all 24 hours to do the work. It's not about implementing the quote-unquote "work-life balance things for your whole life. It's like which one of these things is not like the other? Which one of mm-hmm. these things actually needs the boundaries? Right That's really an interesting way of looking at it. And I have long admired one of the ways that you work. You've always had a commitment to keeping a sane schedule in many regards. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the hours of Meet Edgar. What does the company look like and how they keep hours and work? And what does it look like for all the other employees? Yeah. So we have 40 hour work
1: weeks, which sadly is like a huge point in recruiting, (laughs) especially for our engineers, because it's very unusual in software startups for engineers in particular to have 40 hour work weeks, or they have 40 hour work weeks. Sometimes except when we're crunching is like how it often is. It's like, oh yeah, we have 40 hour work weeks, but of course, like not during crunch times, then you have to work more. The thing is like the nature of our business is that we determine everything. So we're a one-to-many business. We have 7,000 small business customers instead of like three enterprise customers. So all of our deadlines are self-imposed. Right. You know, it's not like a client is demanding something for this Friday and they've paid us a hundred thousand dollars to do it. Like we update the software, we improve the software, like we make our own schedule. So if we're saying, oh, everyone has to work double time this week to finish it this Friday. It's like I said, well, let's just do it next Friday instead (laughs) so that everyone can work a normal time frame. We're also a remote team. So everyone works from home, but we're all in North America. So I think like the dirty secret of remote work is that it often means 24-7 work. If you have an international team, it means someone somewhere is having meetings in the middle of the night, in the evening, before work, in the morning. Like that's just how it has to be if you have an international team. So I think often remote sounds really compelling and really amazing. But sometimes it can actually be like worse <laughs> in regards mm-hmm. to work life balance. So we have a remote team, but we're all in North America. So we all work normal hours. So basically, we all work, you know, nine to five ish hours. So You can shift that a little earlier or a little later, wherever you are so that we can work together without anyone having to work weird
0: hours. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And you guys, for the most part, have been able to stick to those hours. Have you ever had a time when you go later?
1: I feel like people are not going to believe this, but like we, we really <laughs> don't because we really enforce it. So like if it does happen that someone like if we see someone on Slack after their hours, like we'll message them publicly and be like, hey, like it's four o'clock. Like we have on our Slack what our workday is. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are like seven to three. So we're like, you said you were going home an hour ago, go home. So like, OK, people at our company genuinely do not get emails in the evening, do not get emails on the weekend. It's just our culture. We just don't do
0: that. Mm, that's amazing. I love the idea that parenting actually gave you some of these boundaries in some regards. It's like, oh, this is what it is. And I'm going to have to adopt that rule. When a friend invites me to a movie in the middle of the day, I should say yes. That's a good rule. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, see what happens. See what happens. It's going to be fine. Okay. So then what comes to mind for me, and I wonder if listeners are thinking about this too, one thing that I think that people who maybe haven't had the success that you've had struggle with when they're back at the very beginning or they don't have the cash Mm -hmm. in the bank. Some of these things that we're talking about can seem like, well, gosh, that's great for you, Sarah, for you, Laura. Mm -hmm. But that just doesn't work for me right now. I don't have the luxury of choosing what I do. I don't Mm -hmm. have the time luxury or the financial luxury. Can we wander into that space a little bit? Like, what about people for whom they have very, very little money, or they're starting a business on the side where they're working full time already? What kind of advice and help do you have for people who are at the very beginning of this journey?
1: So, I mean, one, you have to get real about your own situation and not be resentful about it and and not have fantasy about it. So, like, if you have two kids and you work a full-time job and you're starting a business on the side, you have a lot less time to devote to that business than someone who, you know, doesn't have a full-time job and has no children. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the reality that you're living in. So, if you have, like, two hours a week to get your thing going comparing yourself to people who have 80 hours a week to get their thing going is not going to do you any favors at all. You know, like, don't do it. It's not helpful. So I mean, that's one. And two, I do think you can make smarter choices from the beginning about what you're crafting. So I have one friend who just launched her own business, you know, quit her job to do it full time. She has a kid who's about two that You know, I don't know what her official work hours are, but they're definitely part time ish. And she's a consultant and she priced herself from day one so that she could farm out the work. And that sounds so obvious. But I told her, I'm like, I've literally never met anyone else who's done that. Like everyone does that like five years later, like they make themselves as cheap as possible on day one. And then five years later, they're like, I can't take the stress anymore. I'm going to raise my price so someone else can do it. She just started that way from the beginning. She's like, Oh, I don't have time to do all this work. What can I do? I'll have other people do the work and then I'll charge more so I can afford to pay for them. Like it's business one one but there's this mindset thing that a lot of people think they're not allowed to do that mm. from the beginning, but like Eva's doing it. So I know it can be done.
0: Mm, I love that. And I love that even like to play that example out with the person who has two hours a week. So you have eight hours a month. What do you have to charge at eight hours a month to be equal to your full time job? Like go there, go to the crazy mm-hmm. part or double your full time job. And that mm-hmm. might sound like terrifying. Or I know that you know, 10 years ago, I would have giggled at that and been like, hee, I can't do that. But what if you could? That's a really interesting right. exercise. Okay, so... I guess my final questions for you, I'm going to do one on parenting and one on entrepreneurship. If you could go back and give yourself advice on entrepreneurship, tell your 18-year-old or 22-year-old self anything to do differently or do faster, what would you tell yourself?
1: I mean, the whole lesson of how to work with other people and have other people that you're not just delegating work to, but that are truly collaborating to build your business together I mean, I think that's the secret to everything. That's the secret to your business being more successful. It's also a lot more fun, by the way, if you're not just in this alone, having to do everything yourself. And the cool part is you get to choose who you work with. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're going to be really smart, awesome people, ideally, <laughs> that that you really respect and you really like. Like I mentioned, that's something you know that I'm doing now that I'm continuing to do better. Like, man, if I could have just embraced that. In year one, I mean, I don't know if that's possible, but like the faster you can get to this point, I mean, the more fun and accelerated everything becomes.
0: I love that. And if you could go back and tell yourself something about pregnancy and parenting, go back in time to the person that didn't have any kids and wasn't pregnant yet. What advice would you give yourself?
1: Everything on the internet is made up. Like it's literally just a random person's opinion that they published on the internet. (laughs) But you Googled it and you thought it was real. (laughs) So one of the amazing things about my husband being from the UK is that the UK and the US don't have all the same parenting guidelines, yet the UK and the US both have extremely high rates of infant survival, right? (laughs) So I know that they are both correct. For example, in the US right now, you are quote unquote, not allowed to put a blanket on your baby. I don't know how you're supposed to keep the baby warm, but if you Google it, they say no blankets, no blankets on the baby. <laughs> In the UK, you have to put a blanket on the baby, but you cannot swaddle them at night. In the UK, they're like, absolutely no night swaddling. The baby will drop dead. Don't do it. In the US, you have to swaddle the baby at night or they will never sleep. So it's great just having that contrast because you're like, okay. This is just something someone wrote on the internet. This is not actually instructions that I have to follow to a T for my baby to survive.
0: Oh my god, that's hysterical! It's so true. I was thinking about that the other day. Like everything on the internet is made up. Like even the way that business is done is made up, right? The way that parenting done, we're all making it up. I want to do another episode, and you're inspiring me to probably do it about like all the hacks that people came up with for both parenting and entrepreneurship. But one of them I heard was my stepmom. She was like. In our day, we just pulled out a dresser drawer and that was the bed for the baby. You just like (laughs) stuffed a pillow in the bottom and like, that was fine. You didn't need to buy a crib. Who buys a crib? (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, I love you. (laughs) So I have one more question. I said those were the two last questions, but (laughs) there is one other topic that we will get into and we'll decide later if we air this or not. So in your parenting journey, can you talk a little bit about where you are right now at this moment?
1: Yeah. So. I saw you put out something on Facebook the other day that said, I really want to talk to people who are really early in their pregnancy or parenting journey. So I shared with you that I am super newly pregnant. Like I just got my pregnancy test like two days ago. So not normally something I'd be sharing, but I'm like, you're allowed to air this if it's (laughs) far enough in the future. So if you hear this, you know that that happened. So, yeah, I'll be having number two at some point about nine months from now.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's so early that that it's probably just sinking in for you. Yeah. Have you guys been talking about this for a long time? Is this something that you would known you'd wanted? Yeah. I mean, we've kind of like, yeah, we want more than
1: one kid. But I think it took us till our son was like about two to be like, okay, I think we can do this, (laughs) you know, because. Like I mentioned, I just found the whole thing so challenging that it, I feel like I had to sort of like have a little time to recover before I could even think about like making the next one. So we did know that we wanted at least one more. It took us a little while to get over the shell shock and be like, okay, we really do want another one.
0: You're speaking straight to my soul right now. <laughs> <laughs> Same page, <dot> com. <laughs> We had a plan for a while. We were like, we're going to have two under two. It's going to be great. And like Alex and I just look at each other with raised eyebrows. like, Right. Uh yeah, I'm not healed yet. Like, I haven't gotten enough sleep yet. It's gonna be a while. (laughs) Yeah. Laura, thank you so much for joining me. And it has been so great to hear your voice and have all of this on an episode. I know people are gonna love it. Thank you. All right, everyone, just a reminder that if you want to learn more about the mastermind we're putting together for Startup Pregnant, it's an amazing community support space for women to connect with each other about entrepreneurship and parenting. We're doing the beta round this summer, so you can find out a lot more about the program over on our website, startuppregnant.com slash mastermind. Get your name on the list so that I can send you information about it because we're putting together a small pilot group for a group of women this summer. We would love to have you there. one more ask if you are listening to this and you are enjoying all of these episodes we are looking for more sponsors for the episodes in particular we are doing a campaign for listener backed radio which means you listening if you want to contribute five dollars or ten dollars a month because this podcast is meaningful and worth it to you that actually makes a huge difference for us We're doing a big campaign right now to keep going with all of our mini episodes, and we can't do it without you. We've got costs to cover and editors to pay for and a whole bunch of things that it takes to make this work. So... This has been an experiment, the entire Startup Pregnant project. And if you want to see it keep going and you want it to keep growing, we would love your support. Every dollar helps in these early days, as you know, as a founder and as a business owner and as a mom. So if you've got any spare change and you want to contribute a cup of coffee our way, head to patreon.com startuppregnant startup pregnant. The link will be in the show notes as always. And it means a, a tremendous amount to us to have the support of so many of you already. We're trying to reach our goal to keep the mini's episodes going. So um, go donate a cup of coffee and thank you in advance from the bottom of my heart because I love having these conversations and being able to bring this work into the world. Thank you so much for being a listener of the show. A few more things before we end this episode. First, if you know of a woman or a friend that would benefit from this show, send them a link to our website at startuppregnant.com. So many of you have already reached out and shared your stories, what this podcast is doing for you. And for that, I am so grateful. So if you know of somebody that would love to listen in, or you think that these stories would really hit it home for somebody, feel free to send it along. Second, if you've got a story that you need to share or tell, head over to startuppregnant.com and send us a note. We have had so much reader mail already, and your stories mean the world to us. We are proudly listener-sponsored, so if you want to sponsor the show and hear more episodes, head over to our Patreon page, and you can buy us a cup of coffee, or two, or three. We'll take many cups of coffee. If you want any of the show notes or links from this particular episode, all of the references and tools and tips that we talk about are always posted on startuppregnant.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.